life isn't your average podcast. We record in-person interviews, we have real unscripted conversation, and there are no limits to the questions we will ask. And we learn the truths about what it takes to run a business from visionary entrepreneurs. My name is Kelsey Rydell, and I am the host of this weekly show. The intention behind our content is simple, and that is to help you live and lead your most visionary life. In each episode of the podcast, we chat about what it looks like to live an inspired life in our chosen career paths and entrepreneurial ventures, in our health, and in our daily routines. Each episode features conversations with people who are living life a little bit differently, from six-figure business owners who have created the company of their wildest dreams, to startup entrepreneurs who vulnerably share the highs and lows of turning their passion into a lifelong project. As you begin to listen to the episodes, you'll discover one obvious and common thread. And that's that we all have a little bit of visionary inside of us. However, for many of us, somewhere along the path, someone told us to hide it, to play small, to play safe. This show will help you break down those beliefs and inspire you to live life on your own terms, to take more risks, to actually follow your heart and set bigger goals, and to make tiny leaps each day that will lead you towards living your most visionary life. It's in you, it's in all of us, so let's dive in. Today on the show, we're chatting with a human who seriously kicks ass. Chris Crawford is the CEO of Kick-Ass Media, but he chooses to go by the job title of founder and fearless leader, and that he is. Chris was a high school dropout who has now built a six-figure printing and marketing business called Kick-Ass Media that does printing and creates displays for marketing campaigns and experiential events all over Canada and the U.S. They've worked with clients such as Indigo, Disney, the City of Toronto, CTV, TD, Much Music, and other multi-million dollar companies to create kick-ass event branding and portable displays. But Chris wasn't always on this path. With his visionary spirit, his determination to succeed, and his willingness to learn through failure, Chris followed opportunity when it arose and was never afraid to change his path and take on the next challenge. You're going to love this episode because not only is Chris an incredible example of going from being in debt and not knowing when the next paycheck was going to come in, to having a thriving media company with a team of extraordinary people working with him. But Chris is also someone who develops his mind each day, and he's consciously trying to pursue his own improvement every single day, and I find that extremely inspiring. He's a huge fan of morning routines, the Tim Ferriss four-hour work week, finding purpose and passion in your work, coaching people to follow their highest vision, self-teaching the skills you want, developing a positive culture within the workspace, busting through fear, and always tweaking leadership to become better. I had no idea what to expect because I didn't know Chris before this interview and he was actually recommended by the community development manager from Prince Edward County. But I can truly say that Chris is a visionary who makes a big impact on everyone he meets and you'll discover that from listening to the episode. So enjoy this episode with Chris from Kick-Ass Media. Back in early July, I embarked on a road trip to Prince Edward County in Ontario. I had been there a few months earlier and had a chance to interview and connect with many visionary business owners. You can listen back to some previous episodes that we recorded in the county, featuring businesses such as the June Motel, Sunday's Company, Parsons Brewery, the Vic Cafe, and the Parlor Studio. I heard nothing but positive and glowing reviews from you about these past shows, so I decided to come back to the county and do another podcast tour because there were so many businesses and business owners that I was referred to but didn't have time to meet initially. So I was lucky enough to partner with the county this time that I came back and I worked with their community development department. So I want to say a massive thank you to them for believing in the Visionary Life podcast and for their willingness to support my second series, highlighting the incredible talent that resides in the county. 
I would highly encourage anyone who is interested in learning more or potentially exploring new opportunities in life or in their career to head to buildanewlife.ca and check out the Build a New Life blog, which shares the stories of hundreds of county residents who did just that, built a new life. I hope you enjoy series number two, and I look forward to hearing your reviews. All right, Chris, welcome to the Visionary Life Podcast. So I was introduced to you and your work through Trevor, who is the Community Development Coordinator for the county. And we are here in, we're in Bloomfield, right? Yep. Awesome. So I'm back for my second uh, Visionary Life Prince Edward County tour. Uh, But Trevor said you'd be an incredible wealth of knowledge for the show. So really looking forward to chatting you and thanks for being here today. Thank you very much. I'm excited. And uh, I mentioned just uh, before we started recording that my former life was actually in experiential marketing for uh, a health food brand. So that's where I grasped a lot of this world. So when I saw that that was something that you guys did, I got really excited and Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, definitely gets me fired up. So Mm -hmm. let's let the listeners get to know you a little bit through some quick fire questions. So what is your favorite way to wind down on a Friday night? You know, it's funny (laughs) on a Friday night, I would say I'm actually pretty simple in that way. Uh, at the end of the week, I have this thing where I feel like I just love to go out for dinner. I like to go with my lady. Um, sometimes we go to the local drive-in theater, um, go to the movies. I maybe go to the beach, something like that. I'd say that we're pretty, we're pretty simple. That sounds perfect. Yeah. Um, and you have so much surrounding you here in the county. I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, I keep imagining myself living here and think, oh my gosh, it'd be such a great life. <laughs> um, where did you grow up, Chris? Um, Right here, actually. So I'm from Wellington originally um, and moved. I was in my early 20s. I moved to Ottawa for a few years and then Toronto and found myself back here again. Okay, cool. And yeah, we'll definitely circle back and learn how you got yourself back to the county. So I'm sure that'll come up in our stories. Yeah. yeah. Um, What did you go to school for? Uh, I, I didn't really go to school, so I'm actually a high school dropout. Awesome. I love that. And uh, I did. I went back and did a little bit of college. Um, I was taking this sort of like computer program uh, years ago, but then the college that I was going to actually went bankrupt while I was going, so I never finished. So technically, I, um, yeah, I don't don't actually have, uh, yeah, that's my Self-made. I love this. Yeah, it's great. Uh, And when you feel stressed or overwhelmed, what do you do? Um, I'd say that uh, I got a few practices. Um, One is I go to gratitude a lot and and stop to try to... um, kind of get myself recentered, maybe uh, go outside, kind of take some deep breaths, change body language. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm big into like physiology and focus and those things. So I'm always looking at how can I get myself reconnected and, and then, and also maybe stopping and analyzing what it is I'm dealing with. Cause if I'm stressed and clearly I'm focused on some potential future outcome and not being present. Mm-hmm. So it's whatever I can do to sort of bring myself kind of back to the moment. That's interesting. Yeah. I recently heard a quote that said, if you're depressed, you're living in the past. If you're anxious, you're living in the future. Mm. And if you're at peace, you're living in the present. Yeah. So I always think of the word peace. I'm I like, like if I'm depressed or anxious, it is because I'm either in the past mm. or in the future. That's good. And neither of those serve you because the past is done and the future hasn't <laughs> happened yet. You're not guaranteed it. So yeah, I like that. Cool. I All right. That. Yeah, I, I just heard it on a podcast or on a TED Talks, I think. And yeah. I was just like, write that down and tell yeah, everybody. Um, okay, let's zoom the lens back a bit. I'd love to chat about Kick-Ass Media. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm so excited to learn about the vision behind it and really how you created this incredible, um, would you call it an agency? I don't want to brand it wrong. I, I don't even... Media company? Yeah, <laughs> so it's interesting because we we have continually struggled with our identity Yeah. because we've been in between... Um, we're a print company because mm. uh, as you saw when you came in we've got big printers and, yeah. and equipment but we're also thinking like a marketing company but we're we're not quite experiential so we're mm. somewhere in a unique category in the middle interesting and that's funny it's a common theme that comes up in the podcast and in myself coaching entrepreneurs is you are always needing to continually evolve yeah. and so your you know vision or your 
here's what I do, that statement will evolve over time. Certainly. And if it doesn't, maybe you do need to check in and say, how come this hasn't evolved over the years? So, all right, so why don't we, again, zoom the lens back. Can you describe where you were at in your life when you began to think about opening a business? And (laughs) all things kick-ass media, where did this start? So at at that point, I was living in Toronto. I had a, uh, I was working a job there and I was, I'd been there at this company for seven years and I was miserable. Um, I really enjoyed it at one time and I had lied about my education to get the job that I was in. Um, and <laughs> make it till you make it. Right. So people are listening at this point. They don't know me yet. All they know is I'm, I'm a bit of a liar and I live, <laughs> and, you know, total weirdo. Um, no, I, I just fibbed a, a little white lie to, to get that, but I worked really hard and I got promoted there and I was enjoying it. But then eventually I got to where I didn't have purpose or passion in what I was doing. And I just felt, I felt lost in it. And I had this, you know, that feeling inside when you just know you're capable of more, you don't know what it is, but you're like, ah, it's there. And I continually could feel that burn, but I was lost because I had no vision of what I wanted to do. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I was sort of mulling around in that and it started to burn me out. And I, I spent maybe a year, year and a half kind of in this sort of like, uh, sort of confusion phase. Mm-hmm. And I think that's so normal. I think yeah. we all go through it. Yeah. So what brought you out of this confusion phase and what ultimately led you to quit that job that mm. you were in for seven, eight years? Yeah. So I knew that I, I always felt entrepreneurial and this, this, uh, I was like, I want to start my own business. And this girl I was working with, just, she's like, well, what do you like? Mm-hmm. I was like, well, I like music. And she's like, well, what could you do around that? And I, I came up with this random idea. The, the first idea was promotional materials for bands and musicians, mm. right? So that was it. But I didn't have experience. I didn't have education. I didn't have capital. I didn't have a plan. But I got to the point where I, you know, I was afraid to leave. But I think I got to a tipping point where I was more afraid to stay. And it, you know, it was really the courage to kind of make that decision to sort of go for it. Mm-hmm. So I quit my job. I made some business cards and I, I went out and so my original idea was to go to bars and hand my business cards to bands and musicians and try to sell promotional stuff and it sucked. I, I didn't <laughs> Did sell. Did you get any clients? No, I didn't sell anything for like, yeah, God, like almost a year. Hmm. And um, that leads into another story, but it was really that sort of tipping point of just getting to where I was like, I can't stay here anymore. Mm-hmm. I have to leave and, and go and do something. Um, and then a year later, I was totally broke. Okay. And they, you know, I, I'm happy to hear you tell that story about, you know, doing your uh, music business and, yeah. you know, not getting clients because they always say you learn more from the no's than yeah. the yeses. So I'm Certainly. sure looking back on that time, although it might be laughable, you probably learned a lot about what not to do or, you know, what the struggles of an entrepreneur can be. So I think that's really important to highlight that it wasn't always uh, the company you have today. So you were broke. Uh, This music business was probably not going to flourish. What happened next? Uh, I was, people around me were like, dude, it's time to quit and go back to that job. <laughs> yeah, and crawl like, back. <laughs> crawl back. And, but I, you know, I couldn't do that. I'd, I'd burn my savings. I, my credit cards were maxed out. My cell phone was being disconnected. I had to move out of my apartment. Like it was, it got pretty bad. Hmm. I moved into my girlfriend's parents' basement at the time. And I got a job for a little bit in a sign shop. And the boss was, uh, he wasn't the best guy and he was crappy to clients and he was crappy to staff. But I learned about a whole other approach of going door to door to get sales. Yeah. And I was like, that's what I'm going to do. And I did I didn't even stay at that job very long and then I changed the scope of my business to be mainstream printing and signs. Ah. And so I started going door to door in Toronto and would literally knock on 80 to 100 doors a day, go in, hand my flyer, "Hey, I do this. I had a list of services that I figured if I can sell it, I'll go figure out how I'm going to make it. Yeah. Like it wasn't, there was nothing on it that I really had experience with. I was mm-hmm. just outsourcing everything. Um, so I didn't start from a place of like a passion or purpose. I started from, I just want to do something of my own. And uh, I got, I started to get good at sales and I started to, to learn that. And it was really great with people and great with suppliers and, and found good connections. And, um, and I just started to grow the business in this weird kind of, 
way in the beginning. Mm-hmm. Wow, that's actually so inspiring. It's funny to like picture you going door to door. Nowadays, people are behind their email, yeah. uh, obviously sending out a lot of like cold emails yeah. and, and whatnot. Yeah. And uh, I'm wondering, do you think, because obviously face-to-face connection has a different kind of, yep. I don't know, were you actually talking to people or yep. were you just handing the flyers over and not talking to them Okay, all? so I got it down. I got okay. it down to a Yeah, I'd love okay. to hear your system. Right. And it's just, it's great to hear that you had that gusto to go out and do it. Right. So it, it was the simplest approach and, you know, I just developed over time. And I must have went to, I don't know, 10,000 doors or 15,000 doors. And I would literally just walk in and I'd say, hey, you know, I'm in your area. I do signs and printing. Mm-hmm. I'd be super non, like not intrusive. And I just say, if you ever have a need, um, this is what I do. And mm-hmm. what I found was about 50% of people were pissed that I was bugging them. Yeah. And but a bunch of people were like, OK, that's cool. Thanks for coming in. But there was always a small percentage of people like I would say three to five percent mm-hmm. that were actually like, hey, do you do this thing? Mm -hmm. And so immediately there was a lead or an opportunity and now it was just about, okay, well, let me look into it. Let me see if I can find it. And I I really became a broker. So I worked in between where's the problem, who do I find that's going to solve it, Mm -hmm. and then I would just piece those two things together and solve the problem. So it was, if I could go to 100 businesses in a day, I could probably get three to five sales out of it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think one of the big lessons there is that um, what I keep thinking of is that you, by getting out in front of your potential customers and talking to them, if you then listen as the business person, they'll tell you exactly what they need. Yeah. And it sounds like you just started to steer your business in totally. the direction they're telling you, oh, do you know someone who prints X, Y, Z? Yeah. And obviously you were the type that was like, oh yeah, I might be able to do that. Yeah, yeah, and so yeah. I think it's important as an entrepreneur or a business owner, listen to your potential customers yeah. and then develop products and services around them. Mm. And if you don't know what your business is going going to be yet keep listening to people's like the the lows in their life or where are they struggling or what do they not have enough of in their neighborhood and you've got an idea for a business right there or if people are requesting services from you that you don't you know offer right now well write that on a list and consider coming back to it when you feel stuck Mm -hmm. uh, or when it's time to change so Mm. very cool lots of lessons there from you um okay let's take it to what kick-ass media is today so can you describe a little bit about what it is that you do yeah so i'd I'd actually love to connect the dots from there to where we are now perfect let's do that um because the, the transition from that point was that i I was doing the door-to-door thing, but I didn't love it. And I wanted to grow and, and you know, build something bigger, but I was too tied to too many different pieces. Mm-hmm. And I knew that online was really where I wanted to go, but I didn't know anything about it. And so it, it I started to sort of um, teach myself how to build websites, how to get customers, and, and, and basically thinking exactly what you just said, which I think is so key for people to get, of the, you're not selling a product or service, you're solving a problem. Mm-hmm. And um, so we started to build some websites and stuff, and I was still in the signs and printing zone, but I recognized that people were, we had a few people come in and ask for backdrops. So imagine backdrops for, um, maybe it's a gala with logos on it, or it's uh, like a red carpet movie premiere, and there's like the actors in front of some backdrop. And so at first we started to talk about those products, but then I sort of had this insight, and it was actually, um, if, if you're familiar with Simon Sinek's Start With Why, mm-hmm. and I watched his TED Talk, and it this like changed the scope of my whole business. So I walked in one day, and at this point, we had already moved back to the, to, I'd moved back to the county, and I had one employee, and uh, I was still driving to the city, doing the door-to-door thing, and driving back, and oftentimes I would drive to the city, do the door-to-doors all day long, sleep in my car overnight, do it again for another day, oh and then like gosh. drive back here. Wow. And I was running around like that. And we'd started to sell online, and then we listened to this this TED Talk, and he says, most companies talk about what they do, some companies talk about how they do it, but truly great companies talk about why. Mm-hmm. And we stepped back and we said, okay, what does this mean? Like, what does that mean, the why? And so I thought, well, what do we do? And we were thinking about the backdrops, and we said, well, why are people buying? And so we we recognized sort of these like five different customer types and we were like, well, we've got, you know, people that charities doing galas, we've got marketing companies doing like experiential stuff, we've got mm-hmm. trade shows. And we said, but we don't, we don't talk about why they're buying, we talk about the product, we talk about the what. And so we said, well, what if we changed our message? Like, what if we changed it to match the why of, 
of that. And we said, well, let's, who do we want to work with? So we chose marketing firms as our client type. Mm. And we transformed all of our marketing and started to talk about what the marketing person cares about. So their, your, their brand awareness, the ROI, um, you know, achieving goals at the thing, like all the experiential stuff, yeah. right? And the moment we changed that message, the business exploded. Interesting. Like it went crazy. And we, um, like we went from like 150,000 revenue to a few hundred to 300 to 500 to 800. It wasn't long, we were over 100,000 per month and growing and growing and building the team. And it was so cool because we started to ship products all over North America and all these huge clients like Disney, Google, 20th Century Fox, LG were mm-hmm. calling us and it all came from getting super clear on that piece. And now we deal with, that's what the business has been up until I would say like the turn of this year was really serving that sort of market mm-hmm. with those those kinds of events. So it was, very cool. It was a very fascinating transition. So I can imagine the listener right now is going to be like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Yeah. How, so you got clear, you watched that TED Talks, yeah. you hear, you know, start with why. Yeah. How did, so then things blew up, but why? Like, was it because you changed your website copy? Yeah. Was it because you sent out a mass email and was like, yeah. here's what problems we solve? Like, yeah. how did you grow your customer base and your yeah. client base yeah. after you got clear? Yeah. How did you send that message out and, you know, attract more clients and more revenue? So we had been playing with uh, Google ads Ah. and landing pages. Awesome. So because my thinking was like if somebody so so often what I what I see is businesses are going to to social media to promote. Yeah. But if your audience is not hot and they're just hanging out there, you have to you have to warm them up before they're ready to do anything. But if somebody's going to Google, they're hot, like they're looking to solve their thing. So we were we started to look at terms and and what people were trying to solve, which is when we, as we started to go deeper into the backdrops and started to look at that language, well, then it was now just creating the content that suited the people that were searching the products and coming to the pages. Yeah. Does that, does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, so I think those are two, I mean, obviously we don't have time to get into things like Google ads and landing pages, sure, but sure, sure. there are tons of courses out there. I yeah. encourage people who are trying to scale up, like yeah. think about your different avenues for marketing, right? Yeah. It looks different for everybody, but yeah. maybe the listener hasn't explored what a Google ad is yeah, and yeah, how yeah, that yeah. could serve them. But I know many people it's who the somewhere. only marketing efforts they have are on Google because mm. maybe they have a location-based business. Yeah. You know, if it's like a foot clinic in Toronto and that's what they put all their money into and anyone who searches foot clinic yeah. Toronto, yeah. boom, there they go. So, yeah. I mean, again, it's an avenue that if you want to put all your eggs in that basket, try it out. You never know. Yeah. yeah. Um, awesome. So that definitely gives us kind of the segue into how you got to where you are today. Yeah. Um, I would love to know, like, obviously you had to scale up quickly. Yeah. Uh, how did you keep keep afloat when that boom kind of happened because you know coming up with systems and how to scale up your business is obviously uh, something you don't really learn until you're in the moment and now you've got you know a huge office here and how many employees have you got here now 13 here 13 so you went from just yourself to 13 employees so what did that process look like and how did you scale up with success yeah uh it it looked like a a gong show. Uh, it, it that's was, good to know that. You know, it, it's like we there's just urgent demands and distractions. Um, one thing I'd love to throw into note is that early on, I read Tim Ferriss's Four Hour Work Week. Yeah. Okay. Common and, theme of right, the book. That... So, in it, he talks about build a company that gives you gives you income to go and live this life that you want. And when I was struggling really hard and still kind of sleeping in my car zone, that was the vision that I created. So. I was like, this is what I want to create. And I moved back here and I got this thing, this office, and I got the one employee and we had this insight and it started to take off. And then I went traveling Mm -hmm. and I spent, uh, I did a road trip actually from here uh, all the way down to El Salvador and back and spent five months. And then I went and lived in Mexico for a while. So I, I had this like vision of, I just want a business that gives me passive income that allows me to have all this freedom. So as far as processes and that, I mean, it was, it was like kind of, it was kind of disorganized, but then I came back after that and I was fired up to grow and my vision changed. And Dave and I, (laughs) that was my one employee, we started to, we started to think bigger and then we started to hire and it was just constantly running into like, what do we need? And what do, what do I feel responsible for 
that I don't want to do. So I can find somebody that I can just leverage this to. And like, if I've got something that's going to sit on my to-do list, I'm not excited about it and it really needs to be done in the business. I'm probably now a barrier of the business either growing or profitability or improvement or whatever it may be simply because I'm not passionate about that thing. And that was really what drove me to start building the team early on. Mm. I, I never had a problem with just sort of giving away responsibility and empowering people around me. Um, because then it was really just about, well, let me attract great people and, and be like, hey, can you just take care of this thing and take care of that thing and, and hand stuff off? And, um, and we started to grow. The biggest challenge that I had was cash flow mm. because it was as we grew and sales grew, I now got into needing to, to buy equipment and then handle inventory. And mm-hmm. I mean, you know what my story was like, my credit was destroyed. And early in the business, at one point, I was operating with, you know, those Money Mart prepaid credit yeah. cards? Like, I had to, like, get payments from clients, go to this Money Mart, and the nearest oh one from here gosh. is like 40 minutes. And so I would go there, and I would deposit money on this card, and then come back to the office, and then order supplies from wherever. And I was constantly in this chasing the tail, because I didn't have credit, I'd go to the bank, and they're like, no, are you kidding me? Like, you you know, because I defaulted so bad. Yeah. So the the challenges I really ran into were were the cash flow issues. Mm-hmm. And we, we started to order inventory from overseas that we had to pay up front but wait for two months for those things to come in. Well, sometimes those orders were ten or $15,000 and yeah. I, I didn't have that money. So growth is really difficult, especially from a cash flow standpoint when you start to build overhead. Mm-hmm. And that that was that was probably the biggest thing that my solution just kept being more sales will solve everything. Mm-hmm. Not having been a great budgeter, having always been a spender, yeah. I you know I got the the hard knock repeatedly of no get your shit together with your budget and like get organized. And so I'd say that you know it's it's those couple pieces like processes processes are key, but definitely the people to operate those processes and then um, and really getting a handle on the numbers that those mm-hmm. were kind of the few. But it was challenging. Like it was mm-hmm. repeatedly challenging. Yeah, mm-hmm. I keep hearing this common theme for, through what you're saying. Like yeah. you seem to have self-taught a lot of mm-hmm. what you know today. Would you agree with that? Everything. Like yeah. literally everything. So, yeah. actually, on that topic, I've had this conversation with a couple past guests. But what is your, as a high school dropout, what is your take on education and pursuing higher education? in this self-taught world right now. I know you have 13 employees. Do you hire based on education? Um, Because a lot of the listeners are in their late 20s, maybe in their 30s, and they're still thinking about things like, do I need to go back to do a diploma or a master's in order to get out of the funk that I'm in? Mm. Uh, So as a successful entrepreneur, I would love to know in our self-taught world, how much emphasis do you place personally on achieving higher education versus having, you know, the skills and the um, teachability to, you know, do something? And yeah, it's that's a, it's a, it's a tricky topic. Um, yeah. I I had a group of students come through here. There's about 50 students and some teachers last year. Yeah. And then I started to open up about being a high school dropout. <laughs> and then they later were like, ah, uh, like you know, come cut, on. Cut. I got I got a couple of calls from parents that were like, yeah, my my kid came to your thing today and now t- tells me that they don't need to go to school because oh, they're going to be man. an entrepreneur. And I was like, uh, okay, that was, I was my too intent. Honest. That was my intent. Um, I think that like you know, for me, it's not it's not knocking. I don't feel that the education system uh, currently is serving creativity and serving the different ways that our kids learn. I think that if I was in the current education system younger, I probably would have been diagnosed with something and medicated for it because I'm so creative and I'm so scattered. Mm -hmm. Um, I do think that if you have something that you know you want to get into, whether it's a specific role um, or it's even just a field, Mm -hmm. well, yeah, education is going to serve that. But if you don't know, then why why would we go spend time and money in a zone when we don't know if that's even going to eventually lead to where it is we want to where yeah. we want to go? Um, as far as hiring, I don't. Education is not clearly. I don't. Mm-hmm. I don't care. I've got people with. Um, I've got people that are highly educated, mm-hmm. and some not as much. And there's no. To me, I don't see a correlation between. Um, between their poor performance, what I've recognized, especially with people that like bringing them on, 
is something that I call like, what do they, what do they want to own? Mm. So when they come in, um, I look for what is an area that this person is really curious about or excited about or passionate about. Because if I plug mm. them in and allow them to do that, they're going to be thinking about it all the time. Like they're going to wake up at home and go, oh, I should do this thing or I could bring that. Or It's like put them in where they can get their creative genius to come out and flourish yeah. and then just and get out of the way and mm. allow them and empower them. So education, where does education fit in any of that? Yeah. But if, if it was specialized in something that somebody needed, well, then, yeah, that would that would totally make sense. Mm-hmm. Now, that said, I'm also just started to look at, um, I'm really interested in psychology, just the way the brain works. And I've started to look at possibly studying um, psychology again, maybe doing something, some, some kind of an online yeah. study just for my own interest, right? Mm-hmm. So, um I don't know. Yeah, how's, I mean, how's that for a, a random? I think of... that's awesome. I, there's definitely no right answer to sure. that, and yeah. it's something just personally. And I've had a lot of conversation with uh, friends and others, entrepreneurs, people on the podcast about where we stand on, yeah. you know, education yeah. versus just self-teaching. So yeah, yeah, I think certainly. it's just something to always challenge yourself. Okay, well, why do I want to go back to do my master's? Yeah. And if you can't come up with why, then maybe you could find an alternative route. So if it's a way to avoid. Mm-hmm. You know, is it, exactly, right? is it, is it, which usually it is. Yeah, which oftentimes it is. <laughs> it buys you time, sure. right? Yeah. Um, awesome. So we've chatted a little bit about your team that you've created here. And I yeah. know that you have a pretty, what I can see from the outside, a fun and unique culture. Even yeah. looking at your website, you have all these team profiles and job titles like event branding rockstar, marketing and sales maverick, production ringmaster. <laughs> so I can tell that you do things maybe a little bit differently around here. Mm-hmm. Um, so... Did you always know what type of culture you wanted to create or did it all just kind of fall into place as you built it? Uh, talk to us a little bit mm. about the culture you've created at Kick-Ass Media. Mm. I, I appreciate that question. Um, I didn't always think about the culture. I mean, in the beginning, keep in mind, my my focus was really just about paying bills. Yeah. Uh, it was. And so then it was, well, we grow. Okay, well, I need another person here. And in the earlier phase, I would say that I was very just like, uh, whatever a micromanager is, I don't know, what do you call the opposite of that? I was that. So I would like (laughs) hire people and you just take care of yourself and, you know, come and go as you need. I don't know, like come whenever and do whatever needs to be. And so I would just give people like total freedom. But, and cause I was like, well, I'm just going to do my thing over here. Maybe that's marketing. Maybe that's whatever it is. So if you can take care of that, you take care of that. Cool. Let me know how it goes. Yep. The challenge was is that I I got to a point where um, I had some people quit and some people be unhappy mm-hmm. because they didn't feel supported and they weren't being uh, managed properly. And so then I got I actually kind of got down on myself a little bit and I was like, oh, I'm such a I'm a bad leader. Mm-hmm. And I, I was sort of beating myself up because I was like, I'm not great with the team. And then I had this light bulb go off and I realized it's not that I'm a bad leader. Actually, I feel like I'm a great leader. I'm a great visionary. I think that it's, I'm not a great manager. Mm-hmm. I'm not great at a consistent day-to-day focus of holding people accountable. Um, or I would say up until now in the past, I hadn't been as my, uh, as my, my coach would kick my butt if she heard me not using up <laughs> until now language. Um, learning that I needed to develop those skills to hold people accountable, keep them focused, do that kind of stuff. And then, and then I got to this point where what I didn't see coming was how fulfilling it would be to have people that really love their jobs. Mm. And um, like I, I can, I remember this one girl coming in last year and, and sitting with me and saying that this job's basically changed her life and talking about how grateful she was for it. And I'm like, I'm a big softy, you know, she's telling me that I, I'm, I'm bawling my eyes out. And it's, I started to recognize that what fulfills me most is actually the stuff I do for the team. Mm, and so cool. I kind of recognize my role is like, I want to create an environment that they love, that we have a ton of fun in, but that we really, we do kick ass, that we do great work and I help them grow. And oftentimes to help them grow, it's, uh, you got to hold them accountable in ways. So mm-hmm. I recognize that I serve when I push their comfort zones or hold them accountable or whatever. But mm-hmm. um, culture is, now culture is everything to me. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, I, I love what you have created here, and thanks for sharing that. Mm. Um, so you mentioned that one of your strengths is being a visionary. I'm curious, have you ever actually done one of those finder tests? And there's like the Gallup one out there, and 
because that is um, actually one of the 52 strengths that Gallup outlines. Yeah. And uh, if you haven't done it, I would say it'd be awesome because for me, it definitely changed my business game when I when I recognized what my top five strengths were because then you know what it is that maybe you need to outsource because mm. if visionary pops up, yeah, that might be a clear sign that you're not the best, you know, consistent manager, like you said. So, mm -hmm. you know, you can always teach your weaknesses, but yeah. then there's the other thought school that says outsource your weaknesses mm -hmm. and double down on your strengths. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. I think that's cool. With respect to the day-to-day -day management, I'm curious, uh, did you self-teach how to manage properly or have you kind of brought on other people to manage the day-to-day -day, uh, oversight of your employees or how yeah. did you balance finding um, effective management within Kick-Ass. So I've been through sort of all ranges with that. Uh, we'd recently, you know, I've always looked at recognizing I need leaders in key areas. Mm -hmm. um, and so kind of just sort of naturally allowed people to kind of go into those roles. Um, I did have a, a general manager at uh, for a time. Um, but n now what I, I recognize is that um, I guess I'm kind of in a zone where I'm consistently like, like I recognize one challenge of a visionary is that we have so many ideas yes. <laughs> that we can overwhelm the team. Yeah. And there's a really great book, um, Rocket Fuel, where they break that down. And they talk about how if, if you're not careful, you'll get your team, hey, this is super important. No, no, okay, now we're shifting over here. Now this is important. And so I started to recognize like, okay, I have to be careful and protect the team from my natural... Um, what I think is the big thing of the moment ideas yeah. and so a lot of it was also about managing myself mm -hmm. to be consistent with them and so then I started to look at the tools and processes that I use to manage me to manage them and um, and then looking at the sort of the key areas of the, of the business and who is the person that I look to as the owner of that area so like production downstairs mm -hmm. all our print equipment and everything I've uh, got a few employees there I've got one key girl that is the owner that's the person who is the day-to-day -day is doing the consistency but i feel my role is what is what is her compass set to like what is she going through and every once in a while i just got to check in and see what's going on mm -hmm. help hold her accountable and then i've got you know sales manager it's the same thing like where we're working out like what is most important and making sure he's focused on that with them so i look at my role is i want to keep everybody motivated but i got to keep everybody focused on that that target mm -hmm. and uh, and then finding that dance of where it's like accountability but empowered and freedom and mm. you know I think leadership is we're learning it our maybe our entire lives right of course yeah um, but it's it's coming good and actually I, I would say that I feel like I'm becoming a, a uh, I'm starting to become a good I don't know what the right word is. I, I definitely don't want to use the word manager, mm -hmm. um, but that leader of where I'm holding people accountable, leading, yeah. I feel like I'm I'm really starting to own that zone. It's only taken me 10 and a half years yeah. to find it. No, that's awesome though. Yeah. And it's cool that you can share that story that mm. it didn't actually come naturally to mm -hmm. you. So, mm. you know, you learned probably from a lot of failures and pe like you said, people quitting and yeah. going, okay, maybe it's time to reassess the way that I am running my business and yeah. where can I up level in order to attract better, you know, fits for the company. And so yeah. that's great. Um, speaking on that topic of mm. kind of how you manage your workflow around here is there a tool an object or a ritual that you could not live without in your work day mm. um share yeah. with us um i'm gonna share a couple actually because awesome. i'll feel like I'm, i'll yeah i'll get nervous if i try to narrow to one okay yeah. um so ritual is my morning routine oh good. I, I couldn't live without uh my morning routine which is um somewhat modeled off the book the miracle morning yeah. Um, and so there's, uh, you know, meditation, visualization. I do a little bit of yoga. I work out almost every day. Um, really clean diet, mm -hmm. juicing every morning, smoothie, that, that kind of thing. So my morning routine is super key. Cool. Um, that I couldn't live without. Tools-wise, I would say that um, we operate now everything Google suite. So Google Drive, Docs, Gmail. But I also use Trello. It's yeah. a huge tool for me. Um, it's awesome. It can become overwhelming really quick and easy. Mm -hmm. So it's a constant like dance with it. But I would say as, um, as a tool, that would be, yeah, that would be the one. Although recently I've gotten into the paper, I've gotten back into the paper journal, 
which is is kind of a cool move. I'm I'm kind of digging the paper vibe a little bit. So yeah, we'll see I how that goes. watched and did all these courses on Trello because yeah. I'm a paper note writer and okay. I have a notebook like yeah. you have sitting yeah. beside you. Yeah. And at a certain point, I had like six notebooks going, and I yeah. was like, "That's it, I'm fed up. I'm going yeah. to Trello." So yeah. I like paid for this course, yeah, all about Trello. Learned the ins and outs of it, how to yeah. effectively organize. I got on Trello for a month and I realized it wasn't working for me. Right. I am like a note, like, I don't know, yeah. my brain goes wild and I need that physical notebook yeah. to carry around with me, journal my thoughts, yeah. have my checklist for the day. Yeah. And so anyways, I got off the Trello and yeah. I'm still kind of kicking myself because I know there's better systems, but maybe the point is that you have to find a system that works for you. And You know, the other thing that I really need that you, that you just sparked for me is whiteboards. Yes. So if you want, like, I'm, we've got this massive one behind you. I've got one here. We've got like four out in the other room. Yeah. Um, there's something that happens to me mm-hmm. when I try to narrow in on little, little things. I almost feel overwhelmed and it's like, I need to stand up. I need to change my body language and I need to like yeah. get a marker and the team just laughs now when, yeah. when we're having a discussion. I'm like, that's it. We got to get a whiteboard. Where's the nearest whiteboard in here? And they just start laughing because they know I'm about to, you know, and nobody can read my writing either. So they're like, oh God, here he goes again. Right. Yeah. <laughs> oh, very cool. Well, I think that that's a great recommendation is have a whiteboard on hand for when yeah. you have those larger than life ideas that yeah, don't yeah. merit a small piece of paper. Uh, actually, I've got one little, little tip with that is we've got whiteboard uh, material that comes on a roll. So it's not even the sturdiness of a whiteboard. It's actually being able to just cut chunks as needed, big or small. You can roll it up small. Um, that's that's my new, that's cool. my, my jam I'm right now. I'm going to have to look into that. Yeah. Um, all right. So before we kind of get into you know, wrapping the show up and, yeah, and yeah. winding down here, uh, what is your favorite thing uh, about this workspace that you've created with Kickass Media, whether it's within the actual physical office or, you know, something intangible, but what is your favorite um, thing that came out of this? Um, I would say, you know, my favorite thing is really the team. Mm-hmm. It really is. It's it's coming in and it's uh, every day I walk in and I'm, I just get like, I just get so excited when I come in and I check in with the girls downstairs and like the one girl just went to California and did this big trip all over last week and I was like hearing about it and she's all excited and so I get excited for her and then I come upstairs and I, I was walking the room shooting pistols, right? And so I'm always like, what's up? And I'm, I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'm sort of like visionary slash mascot. Um, I love it. <laughs> and so I come in and I'm always like, I come around and I, I'm probably borderline inappropriate, but it's, but it's fun and, and we love it and we goof off. And yeah. it's just like, it's that I feel like we've created a community. Mm-hmm. Um, and let me throw a little side thing on that is we also, because I'm so into like psychology, personal development, stuff like that, yeah. we, every Monday morning, we have discussions about maybe how the brain works and how we go into stories and limiting beliefs. And so we have this whole personal development culture. Cool. So one of the things that's really common is somebody in the, in the and see, I look at it like we have a micro community in here. And so somebody might be caught up in a limiting belief or a challenging story, and they'll literally be able to go, I think I'm stuck in something and another person is going to go, okay, well, what's going on? And they'll go, okay, well, and they're like, I don't know, this thing's happening and I'm reacting this way and I can feel an emotional response and I'm not sure. Okay, well, let's break it down. What is the truth? Mm. And so we start to, and so they're creating interactions within each other that are like breaking free of some of the crap that limits us as humans. Mm -hmm. And so we're looking at how we become an empowered kind of almost enlightened environment. Um, and it creates a unique, it's a really unique space. Yeah. I'm happy to hear you say that because I do feel as though, um, you know, maybe five, 10 years ago, it was almost like inappropriate to talk about personal development sure. and our feelings in the workplace. Yeah. Like it was like, you're here for business. We don't pay you to yeah. like, you know, get a counseling session with the other employees. Yeah. But more and more, we're realizing that if an employee has something that's bogging them down or if they're working through like a limiting belief, like you said, they're not going to be a productive employee for yep. you that day. So yep. why not spend some time, like you said, yep. Monday mornings, working through some issues yep. and uh, fostering a culture where people are okay with sharing yep. their truest self yep. so that they can get the support and then yep. move on and totally. blow it off. Yeah. Uh, so I think that's really cool that you do that Monday morning personal development and uh, as a solopreneur myself, 
one thing I always miss about being in an office like this is having employees around yeah. to work through things like that. So yeah. uh, recently I, I realized what I needed was kind of like a mastermind group of yeah. other business owners. And uh, we had our first meeting yesterday and that's exactly what we did. We just worked through our, um, our challenges with our jobs and we shared podcasts that we've been listening to and we talked about um, where we needed accountability and feedback from the group. So uh, it's just a monthly meeting, but uh, I, I think that you're, not, you're doing something similar yeah. with your office culture and for solopreneurs, create that for yourself if that's what's mm. gonna inspire you to have a great work week. Well, you can you can come here and you can work in our Love space <laughs> anytime you want. I'm gonna take you up on that. You, you know, the beer's on tap and the cider's on tap in here, so you're welcome. Yeah, that's the first thing that I saw when I walked in the office, and I was like, "This is what I miss about being in this environment mm. is just having that like awesome uh, culture within your workspace." Yeah. And so, cool. Uh, cool. So, is there any future plans with Kickass Media or plans for growth, or are you kind of in a maintenance and just soaking it all in? No, right now? come on, maintenance, no way. Uh, <laughs> they see either you're growing or dying yeah they um, do right some so, people say they're just relishing in what they've created for maybe a that. brief moment yeah. or i don't know maybe they're just going to be stuck forever but no no i, I do appreciate that no yeah. we have major plans uh so the brands um we're shifting to serve entrepreneurs in a few different ways mm. um in helping them share their gifts with the world and a lot of that now we're we're taking on clients as as uh as marketing clients, um, we're also teaching how to go out and, and do that kind of stuff. We're teaching trade show stuff. Um, I'm looking at uh, doing a lot more um, speaking and actually, interestingly, looking at starting a mastermind group, awesome. something in that zone myself about uh, supporting business owners and, and creating that sort of sort of thing. So we've got, yeah, we've got a lot of plans. Cool. We've got a lot going on. Yeah, definitely yeah. keep us in the loop. Yeah. Um, where can people learn more about Kickass Media? Yeah, so you can Google us, Kickass Media, pretty easy to find. Yeah. Um, can Google me, Chris Crawford. Uh, maybe not quite as easy to find, but <laughs> if you come through, uh, if you come through Kickass, you can find me easily. And uh, you know all the social channels, everything like that. We're we're amazing, and I will link all that in the show notes. So, yeah. last question before we end off the podcast: for someone listening who's yearning to start up a side hustle, a passion project, an online business, or a full time venture, yeah. uh, but doesn't know where to begin, is there any advice you could offer them based on your own experience? Yeah, call me. Um, yeah, call, call <laughs> no, us. you'll get too many calls. You right? don't want that. Um, <laughs> Hire me. <laughs> uh, yeah. So I would say is, you know, when I go all the way back to being afraid to leave the job is number one is you're going to need courage is the fear will always be there. It's like standing on the cliff, looking to jump in the water. Um, the fear never goes away. It's having courage in spite of. And so the courage to take action uh, and then but courage isn't enough. So you have to have faith in your vision and you've got to be clear on where you're going because urgent demands fear, distractions, just shit of the day is gonna come up and try to take you away from that. So you've always gotta be focused on the vision, but even vision isn't enough because you also have to learn to sell. Mm. And so I think learning to sell without being salesy is so crucial um, because you're, you're always in some sort of sale uh, or another and having to think about how that goes. So I, I always sort of say those few pieces um, I think are, are really the most important is is being super clear on it, going after it. And then I would also add is continually testing, is knowing that you're gonna try stuff and it's not gonna work. Like whatever you do in the beginning, I like how much pressure would it take off if say there's somebody that's listening, I, I'm speaking to you. You have some idea that you wanna go after and you're thinking about it and you're hesitating. Let me make it easy for you. When you start, it's not gonna work out right out of the gate, mm -hmm. right? So take that pressure off yourself, but the moment you start, you're going to have this aha of, oh, okay, actually, what if I did this? Oh, I'm going to do that over there. Oh, I'm going to ping pong over here. And what was interesting for me when I look at the whole journey is through it, what I learned is the pieces that I love. Like when I started, I was like, well, I don't know. I like music. So let me get go talk to bands and musicians. Now it's I'm super clear on what I'm passionate about and what I love but I wouldn't have gotten here without having the courage to go for it. Mm -hmm. So I think it's that be open to learn and and know that it's not gonna work out of the gate, but you have to keep hustling and you've gotta keep, although I don't love the like hustle grind theme, but you do have to keep working at it and mm -hmm. find that zone that, that works. Um, and you can call us because we do support entrepreneurs in that 
whether it's going out with your trade show stuff or whatever it may be, finding audience, whatever. But mm-hmm. um, so, should someone call you at the beginning of their business, ideally, yeah. or in the you know, if they're feeling like it's a mess and they need some help with marketing materials, when is the best time to call Kick Ass? Any any of those Anytime. any of those any cool. of those times, yeah. And awesome. the, we've got um, one thing that we've started to do is uh, I've been training the the people on the phones of how to have that conversation that almost becomes a bit of a, a consultation in a way. So it's sort of like, what's going on in your business? Like, let's yeah. look at that. And whether it leads to something working together or not, there's always going to be key takeaways for people because we're really in the business to serve. Yeah. So Awesome. Yeah. Well, there has been so many uh, good nuggets of wisdom here. So I'm really grateful that you shared all of that. So thanks mm. for being on the show, Chris. Yeah, thank you. Super fun. Thanks for listening to this episode of Visionary Life. What did you think? Did you learn something new, get inspired, or maybe you're ready to take some action on a new project? I hope so. My intention is to build community and conversation around the topics of building a visionary career path, entrepreneurship, and living the life you truly love. I'd love for you to join the Visionary Life Insiders community. Just search Visionary Life on Facebook. We talk about our favorite books and podcasts, things that make our lives easier, and the tough times and challenges faced as an entrepreneur, as well as all things visionary. You can also find me on Instagram, at Kelsey Rydell. Please rate and review this podcast on iTunes. I send a gift and a little visionary love note to everyone who leaves a rating and review. Just snap a screenshot and send it to me with your shipping address. If you're interested in working together or collaborating, just head to KelseyRidal.com. Until next Sunday, have a visionary day. This episode is brought to you by my social media strategy checklist. I am continually shocked at the amount of business owners and online entrepreneurs who have next to no strategy when it comes to their social media presence. So this guide that I'm giving away for free takes you through four simple tweaks that will really help you shift from amateur to expert when it comes to using social media to make sales and grow your brand presence. I'm a firm believer that you don't need to invest thousands of dollars in an online social media course. You just need to audit yours and make changes one day at a time. You can grab the list instantly at kelseyridle.com slash download. The checklist will show you how to plan your strategy, create content, write engaging copy and make the sale, and measure and grow your audience. Again, you can grab that guide at kelseyridle.com slash download.